Hello, everyone. This is Beth McCord and... And I'm Jeff McCord. And we're with your Enneagram coach. We are so excited for you guys to be with us on our very first podcast. Hey, thanks for joining. Thanks for listening. We're really excited about uh, this new season in our life doing a podcast. And so thanks a lot for joining us. We really hope this is going to be a really beneficial time for you all. Yeah. Well, what we first want to do in this very first podcast is to introduce ourselves, to help you guys understand where your Enneagram coach even came from. Because what I think you'll be surprised at is our story is probably going to be very similar to your story, where there's a lot of ups and downs and struggles, but also where God transforms us. And so first and foremost, we hope that you will see Jesus Christ all the more as you hear our story and you hear the story of your Enneagram coach. Yeah. I mean, one thing that we we tell audiences around the nation is that there's only one hero in the Bible and it's not leaders, it's not followers, it's Jesus Christ. And so our hope is that you would see the work of Jesus in our lives and that you would just come to know His grace, His mercy, His care over our lives, and the promise of how He's already working in your life, and to bring attention to it. So thanks a lot for coming. Yeah, and actually our mission statement here at Your Enneagram Coach is that we will help others to see themselves with astonishing clarity so that they can break free from self-condemnation, fear, and shame by knowing and experiencing the unconditional love, forgiveness, and freedom in Christ. So that is why we are here, and we're honored that you're listening. That's right. Well, so Beth and I, um, we met at the University of Kansas in 1994. That's right, 1994. We were the ripe age of, I was 18, Beth was 19. We were at the University of Kansas. Yep. And on our second date, I almost proposed to her. You did, yes. <laughs> yes. Because I, I really, not only did I find Beth attractive, but I, I saw a woman who had a profound love for Jesus, um, a, a temperament that was so welcoming and peaceful. Like it invited me to something that I longed for in my own heart that I was really excited about determining what our future together would be. But I mean, that may have landed on you a little odd. Well, yeah, (laughs) just slightly, right? (laughs) I was like, whoa, hold on there, buddy. Um, But I mean, I really enjoyed your passion, your zeal. Um, You you knew that your calling was to be in ministry in some form or fashion, most likely being a pastor. Um, And that really you know, it was exciting to me as well. So yeah, so we got to know each other that summer um, a little bit more, and we rounded it off our freshman year, starting to date, getting to know each other. Um, and then our sophomore year, we really started to actually think about getting married. Um, but our parents were a little bit like, wait a second, like you guys are 19, <laughs> what's happening here? So we basically said, okay, totally understand. Let's let you guys get to know me and let's let you get to know Jeff. Um, and we'll wait until you you know, want to give your blessing. We really felt like it was clear. Yeah. Um, but we also knew we were 19 at that time. That's right. Um, and so over the course of that fall in our sophomore year, uh, we spent a lot of time with our parents um, just for fun. I was traveling with my mom to watch her football games uh, around the country. That was super fun. 
Um, but over that course of time, they really did see your heart um, yeah. and your passion for Jesus and your deep affection for me. And so, well, my parents dearly loved Beth. I mean, uh, right off the get go, they just couldn't get enough of her. And plus, that summer before our sophomore year, she actually led my mom to Christ, and uh, really a miraculous story. And so, yeah, well, at least in my category, well, when she was in the hospital, too. that's right. Yeah. That's right. She was really sick at the time, and um, so yeah, some very neat things happened. Happened in that moment. Well, so then, I mean, we we're thinking like we're going to be rock stars at this marriage thing. We love yeah. Jesus. We love each other. Right. We have a shared vision for what we want our marriage to be I and mean, our family. Jeff, we're nineteen and twenty. We know all things. Oh man, that's right. We're teenagers, so we know everything <laughs> about life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the, the problem is that I tell people that, uh, you know, I think it's guys' brains don't fully develop until like 24, 26. So, um, yeah, you always have to keep that in mind. But, you know, the one word that we use to describe that season um, it, when we just thought we knew each other, thought we could read each other's mind, thought we knew how to relate. But the reality is, is that we were about to enter into a season that it was going to get a little more confusing, yeah. um, even during engagement. Yeah, so uh, when you were wanting to propose, which was actually Chris or New Year's Eve um, that year, you asked my father, and he they gave the blessing. He they really enjoyed you and saw that your passion for Jesus and your love for me. Um, so we did get engaged. That was super fun. It was, yep. That's a whole nother story. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. In itself didn't go as well as I hoped, but yeah. uh, in the end, we sealed the deal. It's a good. It's a good story. We'll have to bring that up sometime. Um, but yeah, we rounded off into the semester, the spring semester, our sophomore year, engaged um, to be married at the end of the semester. I think I had like 18 hours of schoolwork. Now, mine was more in class than studying outside of class. I was actually uh, becoming a sign language interpreter. And so a lot of the work had to actually be done in class with um, our teachers who were deaf. Um, but it was still a very busy season. And then trying to plan a wedding that was going to be 30 minutes away, I really got stressed and spun out. Um you know, just to let everyone know right off the top, I'm a type nine. And in that season, and we'll explain more of this as we go through the podcast about the Enneagram for those of you that are new, but I was definitely sinking into the not so healthy aspects of six, where I was super worried and anxious all the time, thinking of all the things that could go wrong, not just with the wedding, but like our relationship. Like, was I okay? Was I good enough? All those things were really spinning in my mind. And really started to affect our relationship, wouldn't you say? That's right, because I, I was starting to see another side of Beth. You know, we not really dated that long, maybe, you know, eight months together. And, you know, even some of those through the summer, we weren't even together that much because she was in, I was in Texas and she was in South Carolina. Mm. But uh, we, we started to see and get a little concerned, like, is this, is this going to work? Can we pull this off? Mm-hmm. And, but our commitment to one another and having Christ at the center of our marriage really became very important to us in that time mm-hmm. because we, we still wanted to get married, but it was the first time that we started to see that we really are different people and we're interpreting life differently. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't have any tools for how to transcend it, yeah. but we could see that it was happening. Yeah. So we got married um, at the ripe old age of 20. <laughs> May 20th, 1995. And we were so young 
at 20 that we didn't have champagne to toast. <laughs> that's right. That's we right. had a two liter Dr. Pepper. That's right. I'm from Texas. So we, we had to serve Dr. Pepper and that was, it was a super fun day. We yeah. were thrilled by it. Yeah. Our families, our friends, where our community came around us. So we were thrilled that day. Yeah. And, um, you know, we're really thankful that we got married young. It, it came with its own li- liabilities yeah. and uh, problems, but, um, man, now it's been almost 25 years this May. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's been a long run. So what we thought was this incredible professional ballroom dancing <laughs> as a relationship. <laughs> After the honeymoon, we quickly realized, oh, wait, we're actually playing the game Twister, where we're stumbling over each other, having a hard time understanding our own heart and why we do what we do, but definitely not understanding the other person. Like, why in the world is Jeff saying these things or doing these things? I would never do that. And vice versa, wouldn't you say? Yeah. You know, I, I was uh, recently listening to an author, speaker, um, psychologist, and he said, we marry people uh, that help us to become our better selves. And it's it's part of the hope that we have for redemption. And so here we are now married and Beth's peacefulness looks a little more like codependency now, mm-hmm. in enmeshment. Yep. Oh, uh, totally. But my passion probably landed on you in a difficult way. Yeah. Well, I mean, because you know, we described it a lot like because Jeff, you're a type six, and we'll get again right. for all those that are new. We'll get into this later. Jeff's uh, subtype of a type six looks more like an eight. Um, you are passionate. You've got a lot of gusto, and you can you can do a lot of things. Um, and so we kind of talk about you being a big Ford pickup truck, good old Texas pickup truck, um, going about a hundred miles on the highway. And I'm this little Fiat on the side of the road, a little service <laughs> like the service road, just you know enjoying enjoying my Sunday drive. Um, and so me being a nine and kind of merging with you, trying to please so that there's no conflict. Mm -hmm. I literally was on the highway trying to keep up right next to you and it just felt fast and furious and confusing and I just didn't even know what was happening. And so I felt actually... Like I'm not enough. I'm not a good enough wife, yeah. you know, compared to what I thought I should be. And I know that for me as a young husband and coming from the family experience that I did, I didn't have a lot of relational tools. So I didn't know how to help. So although Beth was thinking that it was her fault, I was thinking that it was actually my fault. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those things that first attracted you will become what frustrate you early on in marriage. And so we were kind of missing each other yeah. through the beginning, although we still had a profound love for each other. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are still learning so much about how the gospel applies to us individually and for us uh, relationally. Um, But a few years later, we're now at 2000 or 1998 to Mm -hmm. 2002. uh, We're living in St. Louis and I'm in seminary full-time. Plus I'm doing full-time campus ministry at St. Louis University uh, and fundraising. And then we've got two kids. Yes. So we're dirt poor. Poor. Super duper, <laughs> duper poor. I mean, super duper poor. <laughs> so poor. I remember, okay, this is a fun story. So we had Nate and Libby. They're about 21 months apart. And so we were so poor. One, we didn't even have a real Christmas tree. We basically strung lights on our FICA tree. Yeah. And it wasn't even a long series chain of lights. It was like the 50 yeah. uh, light set. And we just put it around the fake FICA tree we yeah. had in the house. And then we... Uh, Thumbtacked our um, the stockings <laughs> to the wall. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. And then to top it off, and this was great. Like our kids were so young, they didn't know so any better. Young, right. But we would go to the dollar store and like spend like twenty dollars on each kid, but they got like twenty presents. They thought they were like you know, the videos are are awesome of them opening up, pop you know, rocks. pop rocks and <laughs> Glow sticks yeah. and all those little fun little cheap things you can get at the dollar store. I don't even store. know what they have at the dollar store these days. But yeah, for that season of life, um, we made it work. But yeah. it was hard at the same time. Yeah, we were really missing each other because our, I can think of one scenario where Beth and her mom put together some window treatments, which at the time I didn't know what they were, but um, <laughs> essentially those are curtains. And uh, for those who didn't know, I just want to be supportive of the other men out there that don't know about window treatments. And I came out of the bedroom and she said, hey, what do you think about the window treatments? And I just kind of casually walked by and said, oh, they're great. And then, but realized that wasn't what Beth was asking. Yeah, my face kind of fell. That's right. And I thought I'd answered the question, but there obviously was a different one. And that was typical for us um, because what Beth really was asking me is that, am I doing a good job in creating the home that we want? And she absolutely was, but we would get fumbled. We would fumble with one another and get spun out and miss each other because we didn't understand one another. And so these are those tough years of kind of year four, five, six, seven, where, man, we're starting to see patterns now and we're getting worried, like, how is this going to change? Well, I think the biggest thing is just questions like that and other things that happened, um, conversations is, you know, when I ask that kind of question, to me, it seems super reasonable, like, and like clear what I was asking. And maybe a lot of the women out there would be like, well, yeah, this is pretty obvious, you know. <laughs> sure. Um, That's right. But I think what, if we could have gone back um, with the knowledge we have now, it, you know, and just realized, wow, we see the world so differently. So we're going to ask questions that are not, that aren't going to land on you the way I meant for it to and vice versa. And so we're going to answer it differently and it's going to um, cause chaos and confusion within ourselves, but also in our relationship. But we didn't understand that. And so we really felt like when, um, like when you didn't answer something the way I was hoping, I really felt like it was on purpose to hurt me. And to be quite honest with you, I think this is one of the um, kind of practical things of that you can, you all can gain from our story is that I saw Beth's contributions to our family through the lens of the responsible six. I remember us getting into arguments of her wanting more affirmation for the things that I would ordinarily do that I don't want no one needs to affirm me. It's like, it's the responsible thing to do. Take care of it and go do it. I mean, I was, I was doing my own laundry from a young, as a young age. I was cooking my own food from a young age. So like, why do I need to encourage you? I could do it myself. Yeah. And that's the lens that, that was my lens that I brought to our marriage. And so we missed each other, uh, in the midst of that. We'll be back after a quick break. Moms, it's here. Registration is open for Enneagram for Moms cohort. Yes, from May 6th to May 13th, you can grab your spot to be in one of the cohorts with moms of the same Enneagram type, plus with a certified Enneagram coach leading the way. Wouldn't that be the most amazing thing to be with like-minded moms who really understand what it's like to be on your journey as a mom from your type? Yes, it will feel so validating, reassuring, 
affirming, encouraging, you don't have to mom alone anymore. Go to yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts to grab your spot today because there's only 25 spots available for each cohort. Now we have a cohort for all nine types in the daytime and one in the evening. But when the spots are filled up, they're gone. So grab your spot today at yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts. The groups start the week of June 10th and go until the week of July 29th. There are 90 minute sessions and there's eight of them. Plus you'll get a free Facebook group community where you can continue the conversation with one another. Join today. Yeah, I mean, I know for me, you know, I felt like I needed encouragement and affirmation because as a type nine, I have a hard time seeing myself for who I am. I look at myself through the eyes of others. I love how Ryan O'Neill, Sleeping At Last, put that in his lyrics for the Type 9 song is, it looks like empathy, but really I'm trying to see myself through your eyes. And so I was really thirsty to know, what do you really think about me? Now, you didn't know that. We We couldn't have nuanced our hearts in that way for many years later. Uh, Thankfully, a lot of people have these tools and resources early on in their marriage or their relationships with friends and coworkers, um, but we didn't. And so uh, for a long time, I thought, well, why, why isn't he giving me affirmation the way I, I would give it to someone else and that I need? Therefore, since he's not, I must not be a good enough wife because if I was, he surely would. And but that's not how you saw it. That's right. And so it was in the midst of this season that we're looking at a a, a career, a lifestyle of uh, serving in the church as a pastor family. Mm-hmm. And I'm concerned. I know that ministry is tough, and it can be really tough on families and marriages. And I'm like, man, I I don't know how we're going to get through this if it's going to get harder after this because mm-hmm. it's already hard now. But. That was the time that um, God showed up with a particular gift through some of our mentors, and um, they were a few years ahead of us, and so their um, counselor shared a book with them, and then they shared it with us, Mm -hmm. and uh, it was an introduction to the Enneagram. Yeah. And for you, you were super busy with seminary, part-time ministry, um, a father, husband, so you kind of skimmed it, and you thought it was interesting, but you didn't really stick with it, whereas I just devoured it. And I tell people what it was like for me um, is kind of like the movie The Matrix, where there's that screen with all those green digits, and you're like, what are you looking at? Like, they're just green digits. But everyone else looks like they're looking at real pictures in a movie of some sort. Well, that's what it was like for me. It's like I could just finally see life more clearly and understand things uh, with more clarity. And so that helped me to actually start to express my heart more because I found me being a type nine right away. Um, But as a nine, I would kind of hide and stay in the background. But it did give some clarity that helped us. Um, And as we I continued to use it, it really changed the trajectory of our relationship. That's right. Well, and I think it's important to note that we didn't get into the Enneagram, nor did Beth get into the Enneagram because she wanted to be a teacher, a speaker, an author. (laughs) I was just desperate to know Beth. (laughs) That's right. I mean, she was trying to figure out how this works and seeing her own kind of character defects and her own blind spots. What's happening around me? I don't understand it. Mm -hmm. So the Enneagram came, we received the Enneagram as a tremendous help, but I adopted it 
a few years later. Matter of fact, I even typed myself wrong and thought of Beth, the Enneagram Yoda over here. She she knew my type and mm-hmm. told me what she thought I was, but I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm definitely not that type because that's the type of your mom and I'm not your mom. <laughs> Didn't quite understand the Enneagram at that time. But, you know, we needed help and the Enneagram although not, did not have immediate implications for our marriage, yeah. it did have profound implications for Beth, and she stuck with it. Now, I will put an asterisk here. Oh, oh no. <laughs> don't, don't type anybody. Don't yes. tell them your type, because you don't know why they do what they do. Um, I happen to have gotten it right with Jeff, but he thought I had gotten it wrong for five years, and I was like, oh, what do I know? I don't know your heart, which is true. And even as an Enneagram coach, I still don't type people. I don't tell people their type. I guide them. Um, But they ultimately have to be the ones to say their type. But I had to throw that out there just because I don't want people thinking, oh, I can go tell my husband or tell my wife what they are. That just isn't how it works. So now it's we're around 2005 to 2008, and we're both on board now with Enneagram. And we're going to Barnes and Nobles, and at that time there were border bookstores, and <laughs> we'd go to these bookstores and get these uh, Enneagram books that, you know, at the time there really weren't any distinct distinctly Christian or gospel-centered books. Um, And so we were learning from uh, all of these people, but the Enneagram was so powerful, the descriptions were so helpful Mm -hmm. that, man, we were learning a ton. And that's when uh, we started telling our friends. Well, I, I guess let's back up for just one second to kind of fill in some blanks. I, as I was devouring it over those years, I knew that if it was going to work and transform our life. It had to be true in the gospel sense. Like, because God's truth is all truth, right? And so, but the books I was reading, they, it wasn't from a Christian perspective. So it's like, hmm, I'm not really like understanding where they're coming from because they have a different worldview. So I would just ask you questions and you having four years of uh, seminary training, I would say, hey, they say it this way. What would that look like from a Christian gospel-centered approach? And you'd be like, oh, well, da-da-da-da. And you would like give verses and insights. And I was like, oh, that totally makes sense. So over the course of many years, so pretty much the last 15 years, we've done that. That's right. Um, and so that's where we were, why we were able to progress to the point of starting to share it with others, because we were able to put it in gospel language. A a lot of it was simply, some of it needed to be removed. It simply wasn't a biblical category. Mm -hmm. Some of it was words that um, the Bible defined differently. Uh, And so it would be, sometimes we redefined words, sometimes we removed words. Um, and so it, it became this idea, like we could see that there really was value here, yeah. but we needed to reframe this from a biblical worldview. Right. And we're, and you're, you're, I'm, glad, I'm glad you slowed us down a bit because it was during that time that, at least for me, I experienced something spiritually and relationally through the lens of the Enneagram that I had not experienced before. And we had been stuck in the same kind of pattern, you know, that argument you have as couples <laughs> where, or maybe with your parents or coworkers where you know you're about to fight or have conflict and you know how it's going to end. Mm-hmm. So you just have to make the choice of whether or not you're going to do it. Well, th- this is around the time period where the Lord caught us in a particular argument. Yeah. I don't remember the content because we had always <laughs> had the dynamic, the dance. and But I was talking 
and I could tell Beth was starting to disengage. Mm-hmm. Well, and when you were talking, we'll just say you get more passionate or um, intense. And I'm a type nine, and nines really fear intensity, uh, tension, conflict of any kind. Now, you're not experiencing it that way, but it's landing on me that way. So then I start to withdraw internally or physically withdraw, and that doesn't usually land on you very well. So as a type six, part of my fear is abandonment and the desire to have relational security. And so I see Beth starting to withdraw emotionally. I get more passionate trying to repair. And then eventually she withdraws to the bedroom and I chase her to the bedroom Mm -hmm. to repair this because I'm scared inside, but I'm getting bigger the more scared I get and the more... I get bigger, the more she's retreating. Yeah. And I would say, because nines really have like this internal fog um, that makes it really hard for us to understand ourselves and then to nuance what we're thinking. The more you get passionate and big, the more I that fog gets thicker and I literally almost can't start, I, like I can't even think. Yeah. Um, and you're wanting to repair it and my brain is mush at that point. That's right. But I'm also feeling this incredible, um, intense pressure inside like it almost feels like i tell people like a two liter coke that is tightly uh, closed but you're shaking it that that pressure inside and i'm so afraid of opening it and like what would happen like if i were to start talking am i going to yell cry like whatever i'm going to do it's going to hurt or damage or destroy our connection that peace that we could have now that actually by avoiding conflict, you create conflict, but I didn't have any tools to do anything else with. So I would retreat and you would chase and this would go on and on until the Lord really uh, gave you clarity. That's right. And so in this particular argument, I go into the bedroom there. She, she's under the covers in bed. Uh, she's crying and I'm getting really big, trying to assure her that I love her, that we can work this out. And it's all fear of, I fear I've made such a big mistake that I'm going to end up losing her. And so usually my last protest in the arguments would I would leave the room and slam the door. And this time I walked to the door, but stopped. And I think the Lord caught me by spirit and gave me an insight that I'd not had before. And Um, So I turned back to Beth in a much more tempered way, a much more innocent way, asked her a very vulnerable question. And I said, Beth, are you going to leave me? And her response was a little provocative. I said, no, dummy, I'm not going (laughs) to leave you. And her words were stronger than that. Yeah, they were stronger (laughs) than that, I will say. But... I was so big and strong, which I normally am not, because this whole time I've been trying to merge, people please, accommodate, basically in any way, shape, and form show you that I was for you, I am with you, like, you know, and in all intents and purposes in an unhealthy way, but I thought it was the way to do it. And here it landed on you, not in the way I was intending or hoping that you would hear me. And so I couldn't believe that you would even ask the question. And so that's why I got really big and strong. But it was also helpful because I think it woke you up in a very unique way. That's right. It did. Um, Because I realized for the first time, I was bringing an irrational fear to our relationship that really wasn't present. Um, I I felt it as true. I thought it to be true. But then whenever I 
asked the vulnerable question, I realized, no, this is my thinking. This is my interpretation of our relationship. And it, I, for the first time in a very significant way, it changed the, the pattern within which I related to Beth. What's happening inside of me when she starts to withdraw? What am I afraid of? And how are my fears and desires motivating me to act, communicate in particular ways? Now, it wasn't fast, but I had a new vocabulary. I had a new understanding. Beth started to realize, oh, when Jeff gets big, he's scared. He's not angry. He's scared. And it changed for us. Um, And it was changing our lives in such a way that other couples and other people would come, whether it be in our small groups that we were leading, uh, or they'd want to just come over and have dinner Mm -hmm. just to talk about how the gospel applied to their marriage Mm -hmm. and how they are missing one another with their Enneagram types. Well, and it really was more than just couples because it was individuals that we were, you know, working with in our church. It was uh, siblings or parents with kids. It was coworkers, you know, people in staff that we were working with. Um, and we really saw so much transformation in all these different areas as we brought this astonishing clarity to people's lives. The one thing I will say, just so that people know where we're coming from real quickly, is the Enneagram is an amazing tool that brings a lot of clarity. But just like an x-ray that brings clarity to what is not broken and what is broken, the x-ray cannot heal. The Enneagram is an amazing tool, but it isn't what heals us. It's the gospel, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that heals us. And so I just want to make that kind of really clear up front that people know where we're coming from with this. But the tool gave us this clarity to help others have clarity. And then when we saw them start to use it and for them to pause to not incorrectly assume other people's thoughts, feelings, and motives, but to pause and ask clarifying questions or give the benefit of the doubt, we saw their relationships change. So uh, as couples and people and parents started coming over and us talking about the Enneagram, um, they, we also started to see it have implications for our church staff. Like it, it mm-hmm. really changed our staff. And we started sharing how it was helping us to transcend some of the patterns we had in staff meetings and uh, how we led and the desires that we had for the church that other people started to ask us to speak. And the Enneagram wasn't the cure-all. It wasn't like, oh, this is your personality type, so therefore I understand you and you understand me. Um, So... Remember, Beth is the was the is the Enneagram expert in our relationship. My training was in pastoral counseling uh, and pastoral leadership and theological training, and so all of a sudden we're starting. People are coming to us like, "Hey, come speak to our our school. Come speak to our business team." And so we're wanting to go do that. But all we have are these non-Christian resources with a tool that's not very well known. Mm -hmm. And then, but something interesting happens during that time. Well, as a type nine, the type nine's way of thinking is my voice doesn't matter. My presence doesn't matter. Why assert myself? So I literally was like... Oh, this is cool. Okay, well, Jeff, you do the you do the teaching. You do the talking. I'll kind of like put everything together. Basically, I'll be you know like a Wizard of Oz. I'll be (laughs) 
the guy behind the the curtain. Right, which is interesting because in one sense, there what my, I'm trying to serve you, knowing that you may have reticence to teach in front of all these people, but Beth is the expert, so I'm honoring her content. At the same time, I'm actually kind of sabotaging her growth. Right, not intentionally. Not intentionally. Like, we were just working together. I mean, people call us Team McCord. I mean, people loved it when we worked together on this. But by you doing that, though, thinking you're doing a loving thing by leading the way, I was able to hide more and more. And it actually confirmed, oh, well, if if my presence really did matter, if my voice did matter... Somehow I would be the one teaching, you know, like it's like nights are almost waiting for someone to call us out. Like, no, you can do this. No, I do believe in you. And of course you did, but you didn't know I needed that big push. So that kept going for quite a long time. That's right. I mean, we're looking at years from like 2008 to 2012, 13, where Beth's just kind of, we're doing it together we're still working with couples, but when we were privately, when we were working with people, uh, you could tell that we were working as a team. But publicly, oftentimes, I would kind of be the face of things. Yeah, and I would hide. So in 2014, we decide we're going to move to uh, Nashville, Tennessee. Nashville, Tennessee. So we're here recording in Franklin, Tennessee. And uh, the decision to come here did not go as planned. Mm-hmm. Um, the position that we moved here for didn't work out. And so we ended up stepping away just a little over a year and a half later. And But at the time, Beth had had the privilege of working um, with a great family. Mm-hmm. And she started devouring and learning something new. Yeah, so I had the privilege of working for Michael Hyatt and Company, uh, uh, being their personal assistant to Michael and Gail Hyatt and also his daughter, Megan Hyatt Miller. And they have so much great content on entrepreneurship, leadership, productivity, you name it. And so as I was doing my work, uh, my role um, was I was able to listen to podcasts or videos that they had put together. So I would literally for like six hours a day devour content and how to build a platform, how to be productive, how to um, you know do lots of different things that we end up are doing now, which is kind of hilarious because it was never an ambition or a thought. But as I was learning from them, I thought, I wonder if we could do this with the Enneagram, you know, like bring it out to the world from a Christian perspective and could we do online courses and things like that. Um, And so I was just devouring it. And what happened was I really felt like the Lord allowed you not to get another job for quite a while where we were once again struggling financially. That's right, because um, we didn't want to move again. Our children were teenagers at that time, and the move was already difficult enough in the first year. Mm -hmm. We didn't want to move again, so we decided let's make it happen here in Nashville. And but it, it's interesting because the Enneagram shows up in this time again, mm-hmm. uh, but not so much for me this time, but for Beth, where she has a specific experience where the Lord called her out. Yeah. So this was in late 2015. Um, and here I've been hiding, like we said, all these years. Um, and I really felt like there was, I, I, like I said earlier, nines are waiting to be called out. If I was good enough, someone would see it and someone would... Um, say, hey, I want you to do this. 
And there was a particular person in my life that I really was waiting for that affirmation from. Um, and one day really felt overlooked in a very significant way. And I was in the living room just th- uh, thumbing through Instagram, like we all do. And I saw a post that really just hit my heart hard. Um, I felt very overlooked as if my presence and my voice in the Enneagram sphere didn't matter. And so I stood up and I walked right out of the house, grabbed my purse, grabbed my keys, passed you in the kitchen, and you looked at me like, (laughs) what just happened? (laughs) What's going on? Like you could feel the energy. Um, As a type nine, we're in, and we'll talk about this again as we go through the podcast, but I'm in a gut triad and we struggle with anger. Now nines suppress their anger like a volcano suppresses lava. And then it erupts. And I just instantly knew it was erupting. And I walked out of the house, got in the car, started driving, and I just started screaming. And I screamed probably for like 10 minutes. And as a nine, that is not a comfortable space to be in. But I also knew something was happening and I needed to wake up to what was going on. So I just allowed that just to be what it was in the moment. And as I was driving back home, and this was at night, so it was pitch black um, in the hills of Tennessee. And as I was driving back, crying, just really hurt, feeling very overlooked, wanting to be something, to do something with the Enneagram and feeling this may not be a possibility. I felt like God, you know, quietly asked me in a very gentle way, why are you so angry? And honestly, to be very honest, I was like, (laughs) really? Like, do I have to spell this out for you? Like, Mm -hmm. did you not just see what happened? I mean, I was that kind of sassy in my heart Mm -hmm. um, at that moment. Um, But he was very patient and kind. And like five seconds later, he just said, no, really, why are you so angry? And it was just clear as day. It came right out of my heart. And I was like, I'm angry because I overlook myself. And it was the first time I was as honest as I could ever be and as clear as my heart could ever be. What I permit, I promote. By me overlooking myself, I am allowing others to overlook me. And I had a decision to make. Am I going to wake up to the calling that God had put on my life? In all these years of studying the Enneagram from a gospel-centered perspective, how you and I have used it in our relationship together, in our church work, with our staff, our teams, um, with our children and our parenting. I mean, this had gone on now at this point for 14 years. Mm-hmm. 14 years I have been hiding. And I had the choice to make. And I realized that if I continue to overlook myself, nothing will change. That I have a voice that matters and a calling that matters. And I needed to step into that calling. And so that is when I stepped into putting your Enneagram coach together. And it was three months later that um, your Enneagram coach uh, was, we bought it from Lee Kramer, the domain name. And <laughs> I remember us talking through that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we we're so afraid, so afraid. But, you know, I just felt like this was where God had me. And so I started putting together your Enneagram coach and how I coach people, how we do it in a kind of a systematic way so that I can take people through um, a plan and a path, not not just us sitting down and shooting the breeze, as, as fun as that can be with the Enneagram. I wanted people to transform. I wanted them to know that there is a path. And so we put together uh, three steps 
discover, explore, become. And that is how we coach yeah. people. And we I remember that night, I think we were watching some video, um, a marketing video, and they were talking about giving people a path. And just at night, we're just trying to figure out how we're going to put this thing together and us coming up with these three words that really solidified and are uh, still with us to yeah. this day. I mean, that is how we train our coaches. We have now over 800 mm-hmm. <laughs> coaches that have taken my Become an Enneagram Coach course from 20 different countries. And I teach them this model of discover, explore, become because... I want each person to discover the Enneagram and discover their type so that they can explore that in a much deeper, richer way so they can become the best version of themselves, which is becoming more like Christ. And so that Discover, Explore, Become has really been the foundation of all that we do. Uh, bringing people from that very beginning stage of the Enneagram, which we're going to go through in the um, next upcoming episodes, all the way to becoming their best selves, whether it's them individually, workplace, parenting, uh, with their spouse, their kids, on and on. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, Beth, because it there are these seismic moments that change the trajectory of our uh, life together and living out our story together. But it's not like there's not difficulty. I mean, there are still times where uh, I am afraid Mm -hmm. and I'm getting big and anxious. There are times that Beth still wants to hide. Mm -hmm. Uh, We do laugh about it more often now, um, which if I understand it from marriage researcher John Gottman, it's uh, what differentiates masters and disasters. One thing is that they can laugh. And there are times that surprisingly, uh, despite over a million people that we reach a month that Beth wonders, does my voice matter? And despite the ongoing success of serving people in different spheres and seasons of life that I wonder, you know, is this, are we still going to be able to make a living Mm -hmm. and provide for our family? Um, it still comes up. We're okay. still a nine. We're still a six. Yeah. and But we navigate it now in such a different way. And yet the Lord continues to challenge us uh, to be able to kind of shed some of the restraints that come with being that type. Yeah. I mean, if anything, I would say it's not that learning about the Enneagram from a gospel center perspective means that you'll no longer struggle. It shows you, no, you're going to struggle the same, but now you have tools and resources to, one, point yourself back to Christ, point yourself back to um, the hope that we have in what He has done in and through us so that we can um, be more gracious and kind to ourselves, so there's no more condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, that we can renew our minds, and that we can move forward personally, but also in all of our relationships. And so our hope with your Enneagram Coach podcast is to... Um, to really kind of have you guys on this journey with us and with others. A lot of people will ask, well, what now? When, don't you see yes, that's it, what people... It's the so what. It's moving from information to transformation. So now that you have this new vocabulary to explain what's happening in your relationships, what's happening in your new world, what do you do with it? Like how, how do you change... Um, you know, it, it's great to name what's happening, but then what does it look like to be able to change the dynamic? And that's why we wanted to start the podcast. Um, we've had the privilege of uh, traveling the nation with our Becoming Us Live event, which is where we're applying the gospel and the Enneagram to marriage uh, specifically. And every once in a while, we have the opportunity to coach couples and 
people love it. Yeah. Uh, whenever we do these things in front of them, they can see what's happening for these other couples and their types and how it applies to their situation. Yeah. And then coupled with just the amount of pastoral counseling and coaching that Beth has done, that I have done, that now what we're trying to do is we're going to try to bring some of this coaching um, and to do it in a way so that you can listen in Mm -hmm. and to see how it might change your life. Yeah. I mean, I think what you're going to find with your Enneagram Coach podcast is real stories that you will resonate with, that you will see, wow, people struggle just like me. Yeah, they, you're not alone. They you're have alone. the same common pitfalls and struggles. Um, you're going to hear types that are your type, and you're going to go, oh my goodness, this makes so much more sense. Um, so you're going to have hope in the sense of uh, clarity of who you are, but that there are other people that are just like you that are out there struggling. But there's also hope that there is freedom in the gospel. That doesn't mean freedom like, oh, we'll never ha- we'll never struggle again. But there are tools, there are resources for us to come back to time and time again. And so we want you guys to have hope in the fact that Jesus Christ has already done the work in and through us and is continuing to do that work in us. You know, early on the podcast, um, Bethy, you mentioned the your Enneagram Coach mission statement. Mm-hmm. So I want you to go ahead and re- restate it again. Yeah. So guys, the reason why we're here is for people to see themselves with astonishing clarity so that they can break free from self-condemnation, fear, and shame by knowing and experiencing the unconditional love, forgiveness, and freedom in Christ. And we do that in so many ways. Probably the first way is just introducing the Enneagram to people through our free assessment at yourenneagramcoach.com in the upper right-hand corner is our free assessment. When you get results, you're going to kind of learn more about yourself and um, the type that it landed on. But you want we want you to clarify and to verify your main type uh, with a core motivations download. And we're going to put that in the show notes. It's yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash core motivations. And that's where you're going to see the core motivations. And we're going to go through this in the podcast. You'll hear it time and time again, because that's where personalities really hinge. But what we're hoping is that you guys will see that we have um, taken thousands of people through our Discover, Explore, Become uh, coaching process, not only as clients, but then we've also tra- trained over 800 people from uh, 20 different countries to be certified Enneagram coaches. And so we are coming here to shed light for you to have the clarity that you're already looking for so that you don't experience the shame and self-condemnation that I know each of us experience so that you can really, truly rest in the hope of Christ, that you will experience the unconditional love that He has, that forgiveness and the transformation that lies right before you. So whether you're a newbie or you're an Enneagram fanatic and everything is all things Enneagram, um, we hope that you'll Go along this uh, journey with us in this new season as we uh, coach individuals and teams and couples and see how um, really the gospel, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ can fundamentally change us uniquely uh, according to our Enneagram type. So we're so thankful you're here. Thank you so much for listening to our story. Um, I'm sure things are going to change. We're going to have all kinds of fun little giveaways and all kinds of things to help you out along the way, but know that we are fun fundamentally for you to see how much grace and love there is in the truth of the gospel and that God did not make a mistake when he made you, that the gospel is true for you. 
And don't forget not only who you are, but more importantly, whose you are. Thanks for listening.